All right. So let's start this morning by a with a word of prayer. Do you feel that Sabbath morning is a divine appointment? Yes. It is a divine appointment. So when we come to church, it's not what uh, you know what we get out of it, but what we can give. And also what we can receive. So uh, let's pray for a divine appointment. Is that okay with you guys? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for another Sabbath day that is so perfect and beautiful. I pray that we will just contemplate nature this afternoon and realize that you are the creator God. And that everything that we have that is beauty, beautiful is from you. And so we thank you. I pray that this will be a divine appointment for... Maybe even if it's just one, that they might know who you are better and that I might know who you are better because that's what we have in our hearts, a desire for you. And so we pray that you'll be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, I'm going to start off by asking you a crazy question. And I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass you. Okay, that's how crazy this question is. Have you ever been tempted to go streaking? You're not supposed to say yes. Now we know he's the streaker. Yeah, have you ever been tempted to go? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That, that was a time, wasn't it? Where we saw a lot of streakers. Have you ever been to go streaking? How about this question? Have you ever been tempted to go to a wedding naked? Okay, good, 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 okay. Maybe you've never been tempted to go streaking, but I must confess to you that going to a wedding naked is one of my biggest temptations. Uh-oh, where is he going with this? Before you call me a freak or a weirdo or a strange, let me tell you that it's one of yours too. And I'm going to explain why. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22. Open your Bibles to the Gospel of... Matthew chapter, all right, someone's listening here. Okay, open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22. I should find that sooner than you, but I didn't mark it. And when you up here, you kind of get nervous and it's harder to find it. I used to love the game where you used to, we used to play who could find the memory verse the fastest. Have you ever played that game? Yeah, Bible drills. Exactly, exactly. So let's go to Matthew 22. And verse 1. And just read along with me. And since we are a small group this morning, if you want to interject in my sermon, I'm not going to be offended. I don't care. It's fine. You just can raise your hand so I'll see you. Or you can just start talking. And that'll be a little weird if it's right in mid-sentence. But anyway, just interject when you want to. And Jesus answered. Who, who answered? Jesus answered. And anytime you see red letters, who's speaking? Jesus, right? In my Bible, red letters means Jesus is speaking. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. How many of you have arranged a marriage so far? Have you had, have you, and, and in some cultures there is arrangement of marriage, right? But this is like, you know, having a party, arranging a party. You know that my son is getting married this year, and we're going to have to arrange a marriage. We're going to have to have a party for him and have guests that come. And, you know, they're not sure, do we want to invite, you know, the whole family or all the friends and all the relatives? 
because that's a big wedding when you're talking about Hispanics. My brother, my dad had 16 brothers and sisters, my mom 12. So there's a lot of family members and I'm thinking, can I afford this? Can I afford this? Even though the custom is for the what? The bride's family to step up. But in the Spanish culture, it's not that way. So I'm messed up. I'm, I'm not going to say what I am. All right. So a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Now, when a king arranges for a marriage, is that a big deal? We even get all excited about the, you know, the, the weddings in England, right? Everybody sees that on TV and here in America. And we're even enthralled with what's happening in England. Because when a king arranged a marriage, that was a big deal. Okay? Are you getting the picture? And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not what? Willing to come. Now this is important because remember, in this time, a king had a lot of power. You know, we have, in England, you know, the king doesn't have the power that the prime minister does. You know, we don't have kings here in America that have the power. But in Jesus' day and even before that, kings had the power. So rejecting the king was a pretty bad deal. You didn't want to do that. That could get you in trouble. That would maybe be like rejecting Mr. Putin over in, in, uh, in Russia, right? You don't do that. And sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I prepared my dinner, and oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready Come to the wedding. Come to the wedding. So there's a first invitation and there's a what? A second invitation. Who is Jesus talking to? Who is his audience right here? Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Jews, but specifically who's he talking to? He's talking to the leaders. He's talking to those who, you know, he knows everything about them. He knows their hearts. He knows what they're up to. He's talking to them. And he's saying to them something in this parable. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm and other to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. What had the Jews done to a certain group when God had set them? Prophets. Had killed the prophets. Remember, the blood was even at the temple of Zechariah's blood because they had killed Zechariah right at the temple. Okay? So Jesus is talking to him. And this parable, some of them aren't liking it, right? And eventually they don't like it at all. Okay? But when the king heard about it, he was what? What was the king happy? He was furious. Why? Because they had rejected him. They had rejected his invitation, right? Where am I? Help me out here because I get lost. But when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murders, and burned up their what? He had all the power. The king had all the power. Then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not what? You need to remember this. They were not what? Worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found. Both what? This is so important. Bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with the guests. But when the king came into the sea, the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding 
garment. This is a weird story. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servant, bind him hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. So this is a parable, and a parable is deep. It has meanings. It has meaning that you have to decipher. You have to study. You have to find out what was Jesus really trying to say. The parable of the marriage supper or the gospel feast represents the great truth of justification, right? Justification, you'll see why. Because of the cross, God can be just and forgive everybody. Do you know what? Because Jesus went to the cross, and I've told you this before, because Jesus went to the cross, he has the royal right to save whoever he wants to. No one could tell Jesus, you can't save David. No one could tell Jesus, you can't save my son, Mark. No one could tell him, you can't, you can't save Kathy, my wife. No, because Jesus has that royal right. He could save us. He can save us. And no matter even what the devil says, he can save us. Isn't that awesome? He has that royal right. However, the Bible says that the people were not interested in the invitation. Number one or number two, it says that they were not what? Worthy. They were not worthy. Verse 9 and 10 says that good and bad people were invited to the feast. Did you catch that? Good and bad people. Are you telling me that bad people are invited to the feast? Yes or no? Yes. If they're not invited in the feast, I have no chance. I'm done. I'm done because I got good chappy and bad chappy, and bad chappy sometimes wins. So if bad people are not invited to the feast, guess what? I'm in big trouble. I'm in big trouble. There's no chance for me. Jesus said it, and don't ever forget it. I came not to call the righteous to repentance, but what to repentance? But sinners to repentance. I'm going to ask you a super important question. What makes us worthy? What makes us worthy? Is it our 40,000 good deeds? Does that make us worthy? I know going to prayer meeting makes you worthy. Going to Sabbath school or Sunday school, does that make you worthy? What makes you love worthy? Feeding the homeless, does that make you worthy? Does that make you worthy? Come on. I have news for you, friend. We are never worthy. We are never worthy. Did you get that? We are never worthy. Jesus is worthy. That's it. Jesus is worthy. In this story, the only thing that made them worthy or not whether it was whether they accepted the invitation. That's it. That's what made them worthy. Accepting the what? The invitation. However, they didn't accept the invitation, so the message went out to the good people and the bad people. All were invited to the wedding. Because of the cross, all of us are invited. All of us are invited. The invitation is now offered to you and me, and praise God that you're here today because you've accepted the invitation. Amen? Something got you here this morning. The Holy Spirit got you here this morning. You've accepted the invitation. Praise God. We could end the story and say that everyone lived ever happily, what? Ever after, right? But the plot thickens. 
The plot thickens. In the days of Jesus, watch this. In the days of Jesus, if you went to a wealthy wedding, two things were sent. What were the two things that were sent to you? An invitation. That still happens in a wedding. But not only an invitation, a robe to wear. The wealthy person, because they were so wealthy, you're going to the king's party. They're not only going to send you an invitation, but they were going to send you that robe to wear. That's why this parable is so significant, and you'll see why. The host provided both. Invitation and what? The wedding robe. Now, if you were invited to a royal wedding, at least 50% of you would say, what am I going to wear? What 50% would that be? (laughs) Okay, Someone answered the question. I wasn't going to say wahoo, but someone answered the question. I know my wife looks at her clothes. This is, this is how my, I dress. I go, I get something. I go, you know, steam it. We steam our clothes. We don't iron our clothes anymore. I steam it if it needs to steam it. Next day I wear it. You know what my wife does? She goes into the closet. She, she goes back and she goes back. And then she takes one thing out, and then she puts it back, and then she takes out another thing, and then she puts it back, and then she tells me I have nothing to wear. Your closet is full of things to wear. What do you mean you got nothing to wear? You're always buying dresses and clothes. What do you mean you got nothing to wear? 50% would say, what am I going to wear? In Jesus' day, it made no difference what you were going to wear because the host provided a robe, so it didn't matter if you were rich or poor. From the ghetto or the barrio, everyone would go to the wedding looking like a million dollars. And if anyone refused the robe, it was an insult to the king. Okay? It was an insult to the king. Put that in your mind. Process that. It was an insult to the king. Because remember I said the plot thickens? Right? Now we're in a moment of judgment. We're in a moment of judgment. The Bible has moments of judgment, does it? Can you think of a Bible story where there was judgment? You're not thinking? Can't think of a story where there was judgment, where there was a decision that had to be made. There's a story of judgment. I'll tell you a story of judgment. Jezebel, when they're ready to throw her over, right? She'd kill the prophets. That was her judgment day. That moment, that moment. Time was her judgment day. Now comes the moment of judgment. The king came to examine the guests, to see what they were wearing. What did this man have on? Did he have a Sabbath suit? Look at the story. Come on, go back. What did he have on? Did he have a Sabbath suit? Okay, you're saying he probably did. What does the Bible say that he had on? Did he have the wedding robe? No, no. Was that an insult? Absolutely, that was an insult because he did not wear his robe. He had nothing, and this is one of our biggest temptations. Remember I said my biggest temptation is to go to a wedding naked? What is is Laodicea, what is the last church described? How is it described in the Bible? Wretched, you got it. What else? Blind. Poor. And then the one that we're talking about today? Naked. That is the church, right? So the king says, Don't, didn't you get your robe? Right? I mean, this king was, I think is a pretty awesome king. Number one, he gave the invitation to one and two. They rejected it. 
There was consequences for that rejection. But then he sent that robe to everyone because that's what you were supposed to do. Wear that royal robe that the king had sent to you. The young man refused to wear his robe. And so do we. Think about this for a second. Want your minds to be churning right now. And so do we. And that's why I talked about our biggest temptation is not to accept that robe and to wear that robe. What is that robe? It's the robe of righteousness. It's the robe of righteousness that Christ puts on us. We don't put it on ourselves, right, Ed? We don't put this robe of righteousness on. Our, are we righteous? What did Paul say? No, I'm, I'm a, the wretched man that I am, right? He puts on the robe. We don't deserve the robe. Do you deserve the robe? I don't. He puts it on even though I don't deserve it. That's why as I get older, I am so thankful for what God has done for me and what he's doing for me. But if we allow him, he puts it on. In the Old Testament, Israel had been chosen by God. Did you know that? Remember, he calls him there his first what? First son. He says, you're my first son. The Old Testament, they, he chosen them to come to the way. They were chosen, but they rejected God. They rejected God. They, 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 they took all his rules, they t- which, or they thought it were his rules. They accepted all, but they rejected God. And ultimately, they had killed Jesus. So now the good and the bad are inviting to the wedding. That means you and me. See, God chose Israel to be his son. God chose them for a special purpose, to show who he was. God said, you know what? If you just follow me, your sandals will what? Will never wear out. Your sandals will never wear out. You'll get food from heaven. I will bless you when you have to go through the lands and people attack you. I will be with you. I will defend you. But what did Israel do? What did Israel do? Hmm? He, they rebelled. I realize right now I'm going through an experience with my son that I finally realize what God had to go through with me. You know, I told my son the last time I saw him, I said, you know what? I feel like you're Israel. You know, you've lied to me. <laughs> You know, you told me you never were going to get a tattoo, and you got a tattoo, right? You told me you weren't going to pierce your ears, but you pierce your ears. Do you see what I'm saying? And all these things that he said that he would never do, my son is doing, now do I stop loving him? No. And God never stopped loving Israel. He kept giving them chance after chance, opportunity after opportunity. So when I think about the fact that God says, you know, um, my love is like a mother's, I get it, because it's unconditional. He doesn't stop loving me, and he doesn't stop loving you. He might not like our behavior, but he doesn't stop loving us. Finally, he said no more to Israel because he gave them every chance to be a theocracy, and they blew it every single time. And finally, he chooses the what? He chooses the bad. He chooses everyone. He chooses the Gentiles. He chooses Romans. He chooses Greeks. Everyone can have a part at that wedding feast. Amen? Come on, people, wake up. That's an amen. 
in a gospel service, they'd be preaching, hallelujah, amen. I don't know about you Caucasian people. Come on. Come on. There you go. There you go. And I don't mean to beg for it. So, ultimately, he invites everyone. God has given us the robe to wear, and our biggest temptation is not to wear it. Look at what the king says. Why are you not wearing the robe? The man was what? Speechless. He was speechless. That moment, he was speechless. He knew all about the robe, so why would he not wear it? Why would he not wear it? And this is where you can help me, and if you think about it this week, and you can come back and talk to me, Ed, you're the... You're my guru. If you come back and tell me something you were thinking about it, come by, my brother. You know I love you, right? The only thing that I can think of, and boy, did I think about this, is that he wanted to be rebellious. There was something rebellious in his nature. Have you ever been rebellious? I'm a pastor's kid. You think I've been rebellious? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why do we rebel? Why do we rebel? Why do we rebel against the church? Have you known anyone that rebels against the church? I did in my early 20s. Why do we rebel against our parents? You know anyone that's been rebellious of their parents? I was. Why do we start smoking? Have you ever thought about that? Why do kids start smoking? Have you, do you ever remember... T- Okay, now I'm confessing, okay? And I can say it because I don't smoke. But do you remember the first time you... Has anyone ever tried a cigarette? Do you remember what it was like the first time? It tasted bad, but it felt cool. Exactly. Exactly. But we wanted to do it so we could fit in or be accepted. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? Why do we start the things we know that are wrong for us, but we do anyways? Why did Lucifer rebel in heaven? Because this is where it's going. Because ultimately, Lucifer is the one that didn't want to wear the robe. Think about it in the parable. He did not want to wear the robe. He wanted to be in heaven. He wanted to be there and participate in heaven, but he did not want to wear the robe. Why, why did Cain bring that animal? I mean, not the animal, the farm things that he'd grown. Why did he bring those? What was his nature? God had told him exactly what to do. Abel did it, but Cain, what did he do? He he decided he wasn't going to do what he was supposed to do, right? That's this guy in the parable. He knows what he's supposed to do, but he doesn't do it. Are you following me? Are you tracking with me? Okay. Why did the Pharisees rebel against Jesus? There you go. This is the only thing that I could find out what was going on. And maybe this has a deeper meaning because I think when two or three are reasoning together or when we study scripture, we get insight. God fills us with wisdom. Amen. And he gives us insight that we can share with the others. But what you just said is the only reason I can under, that makes me understand, or I think I can understand, 
and I'm praying about it. I'm still praying about this sermon and trying to figure out more in this sermon. But pride. Satan rebelled because of pride. Would you say that's it? Or is there other things that I'm missing? He, wa- he exalted himself. He wanted to be like who? Like God, right? It was because of pride that he rebelled against heaven. Why did this young man not wear that robe? Could it have been pride? Hey, I'm going to do it my way. Have you ever felt that way that you were going to do it your way? You know, I'm not going to do it my parents' way. I'm not going to do, do it the way the church tells me to do it. I'm going to do it what? My way. You know, that's probably the most sinful song that was ever written. Good, good afternoon. Happy Sabbath. You've heard that song, right? I did it my way. Yeah, that's probably one of the most sinful songs you'll ever hear. I did it my way. Why do we do what's wrong when we know it's wrong? Could it be that we don't wear the robe or we don't let Jesus put it on us because of our pride? Because of our pride. Is our pride so great that we just can't obey? In every relationship, I want you to hear this loud and clear. In every relationship, there is a necessity for obedience. Did you know that? There's a necessity for obedience. This parable really ties justification and sanctification. This parable is like the psalmist who says that justice kisses mercy, right? There's a necessity for us to be obedient. We need to obey our boss. How many of you have a boss? Okay. Have you noticed when he's in your presence, you're acting a whole lot differently, right? When my boss is in my presence, I'm going to act like I'm really busy. I'm going to be out there just chit-chatting to everyone in the manna and chit-chatting over there in another office. When he's around, I'm like, I'm doing my job, man. I want to make sure I'm doing my job. Because I don't want to get in what? Trouble. I, I have a, a responsibility. I can't just do whatever I want. I can't just come to my work and just go, oh, okay, now... I'd like to do this, but I can't. I'd like to just go golfing now. I'm just going to go golfing. Or, you know what? Bosses get really mad at the young people, or even older people do, is what? Cell phone. You know, well, he's always on his cell phone. Chef Dan tells me about my son. Your son's on the cell phone all the time. Then I got to tell my son, get off that cell phone. Right? There's this necessity to obey your boss. We need to obey the covenant of marriage. Is that true or false? You know, I can't be out drinking with the fellows or be out with the other ladies and expect for my wife to accept my behavior. There's, there's, there's things I don't do because I know that that's the vows that I made when I married her. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So how do we get to the place when we can obey? And here's... Here's the hard part. And this is where I need some help. And if you have some insights and you want to talk to me later, boy, I'm all ears. Here's the hard part. How do we get to a place we can obey when it's contrary to our nature? 
Come on, Ed, talk to me, baby. You need to come see me this week. We had Sabbath school lesson, and it was a divine appointment. I needed it because, boy, I struggle with slavery in the Bible and what Paul says about slavery. And I needed Ed to come in for a divine appointment. And when he shared some things in Sabbath school, it broke my heart, and I came to tears. Does that make sense? So, how do we get to the place when it's contrary to our nature? We are born rebellious. We are born just like the ones that canceled invitation number one and rejected it. We are the ones that canceled invitation number two and rejected. And we are just like the young boy that said, I'm coming my way. Does that make sense? Because if not, I'm preaching to the wrong group. We are born rebellious. Children test their parents from the day they are born. Do you remember that? From the day that we are born, we test our, our, our parents. And my boys tested me, and one especially tested me all the time. I believe, and this is what I've come to the conclusion, if you have another conclusion or you have insight, please share. You can even share right now. I don't care because we're closing right now, but you can share with us right now. I believe there's only one way can, we can obey, and that is for God to take our pride from us. God has to take our pride from us. And we can hide that really well. But in our hearts, we know if we have pride and if it is hurting us. Lord, take my pride. Take my pride. Take my pride. Lord, please take my pride. Then and only then can we start to obey God and not go to that wedding naked. So if that is your prayer, then I know it was a divine appointment. Because it's still, this is a process that I'm working through. You know, why is it that I do the things that I know I shouldn't do? And God has given me every chance, every opportunity. He gives me grace. He gives me mercy. If anyone has given given grace to someone, it's me. God has given me grace. God has given me mercy. I, he's given me so much more than what I deserve, people. But maybe what he needs to give me is a new heart and a new desire and take that ugly heart that I have of pride and just take it away from me. And this morning, I want him to do that. I want him to do that. And if that's your prayer, you'll say amen. Amen. Amen.